Are you horny? Yeah, I'm getting warmer. Oh, fine. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna love you for the rest of my life. Just love me for the rest of mine. Psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? No, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another horrifying installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 112, Horns. The greatest October rolls on. Another heavy hitter. I think you're just saying that because this is technically a Matt pick. It is, which is weird because I, I don't feel that strong of an attachment to the movie. It did jump out as unique when we watched it the first time. I think I've probably watched this movie way more than you. Certainly. And I'm kind of the known Juno Temple file. True. In the area. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I do enjoy the Horns poster that you have as well. Yes. It's actually one of my favorites. It's a prized possession. Yep. Not released in America. English version with Juno Temple on it. Half of her face. Looking good, though. Yeah. This is like peak Temple for me, this movie. Looks wise. Yeah, I mean, she's still in it for me. Right. <laughs> in, <laughs> I mean, the, in the peak. You're acting like she's a 75-year-old woman. No, I just think she's like next level, I guess, Temple for me in this movie. <laughs> I would agree. Usually we don't spoil too much. I would say that the plan as of right now, as of recording, is we're going to try to cram six episodes into this Greatest October to really maximize How about that? this time of year. Yeah. So get excited for that. I mean, last year for was kind of For those who light. said, you know, we're not given enough. <laughs> I don't think anyone said that, but <laughs> in fact, I think mo most people are like, too much. People are like, yeah, slow it down a little bit. Last year, we wanted to do more than we did. It's True. kind of a known yeah. thing that happened. So right. this year we're going all in. Expect episodes to be coming at you fast and furious all month long. True. We'll probably slow down afterward, but for the time being, just buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride. Wild October. Yeah, really. I would say all the way uh, through the end of the year. So anyway, as always, follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe to our show on iTunes and tell your friends about it certainly yeah get that word out there for those who have been doing it we appreciate you <laughs> if there has been anyone i think so 
So, horns. Kind of a random pick to some people. Kind Not for a, us. Re- no, yeah. It's a heavy hitter in this our feels universe. Right, right in line with our picks, really. Kind of an interesting, I guess, collection of people involved in this movie. I mean, even going back to the novel that this is based on. Yes, it should be pointed out that our first two picks this year for The Greatest October have come from a member of the King family. Right. This is based off of a novel by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. And How's it going for Joe Hill? Pretty good. I mean, he's, like had a pretty, he's had some, some hits. He has a fair amount of novels out there. All right. I don't know how many have been turned into movies. Hard to live in that shadow, but I guess he's doing all right. Yeah, you would have thought maybe he would have tried his hand at children's at books. At least maybe like a different genre. Right. But, well, you know. Hey, if you've got the gift. This movie was filmed in like 2012. I guess it was supposed to come out in 2013. It didn't end up even getting a U.S. release until October of 2014. Well, you make a good point about this movie, too, because I do associate it with Halloween. And I mean, even the posters that you have says Halloween, October 29, like it was that time period release and everything. But as you point out, not really a horror movie. Yeah, not really. I mean, there's not a lot of like scare tactics in it. No, I don't think there's any attempt. But it does have just sort of like a creepy feel to it a little bit. There's just sort of a Halloween aura to it, I feel like. Yeah, I think one of the reasons that this movie struggled and why it didn't get a real release and it kind of was under the radar, it's one of those hard to quantify... What is this? Weird tonal shifts. It's not really a horror movie it's not really a science fiction movie it's not really a comedy it's There's not certainly really parts of it where it just feels downright a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> well the budget i don't think was always there for some of the stuff they wanted to do okay, but right. yeah i think it's a unique kind of story and it's got a lot of cool shit in it yeah it kind of goes a little bit I off like- the rails and it's about 20 minutes too long really really yeah it feels long too it deserved a much better it drags on it got yeah it does especially if you have no idea kind of what it's like going into it you're certainly like wow this is weird this is different this was something that i had heard about you know there's a million movies every year where i'll hear about them and then i'll think oh yeah i definitely want to see that and then no release in the pittsburgh area oh right to speak of this i think was probably it may have played in a couple theaters, but I think it was yeah. mostly straight to VOD. Yeah, that's what Blu-ray. it feels like. Yeah, and so I was just on a random trip to Best Buy, and I saw this th- at Best Buy, and I was just like, I wanted to see that. I'll just buy it blind buy. Yeah, well, didn't you know the gr- director, was- right, Alexander Aja? Yeah, but I didn't know he directed this. I didn't oh. really know. Okay, his breakout was that High Tension movie, which is a French horror movie, I think. I don't think I ever saw High Tension. He also did the remakes for The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, okay. And Piranha 3D, Mirrors. You know, after getting it as a blind buy and not knowing really too much about it, other than basically I saw Daniel Radcliffe having horns as part of it. You're like, wow, I am in. I like Juno Temple and she's in it. So I just bought it and we watched it and... I think we were kind of taken aback at how crazy it is. Yeah. Like I, I, there's more to it than just right. a guy growing horns. There's this whole other element that I wasn't expecting True. at all. Oh, yeah. And I really enjoyed this movie. I do think Daniel Radcliffe is not great in it. No. But, 
because of the way that he's delivering his lines and he's struggling with his accent right he's trying to cover up his accent and it kind of makes him sound canadian a little bit or irish maybe a little irish yeah i feel like actually this whole movie kind of feels like it takes place in canada yeah even though it's seattle well juno temple also british but she doesn't sound like it at all yeah that's true in the movie sometimes it's even hard to remember like how many lines she has in this movie that's true. She's her she character couple... is dead the entire time <laughs> sure. that you're watching the movie. There's some flashbacks. She has a couple big scenes. Get away from me! Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, no, 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 no! Leave me alone! No, 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 no! I'm not here to hurt you. Please tell me what I have to do to stop this. How do I make them go away? Look, you killed that innocent girl, Marin. There's no, nothing I, I can do. No, except I didn't Please, kill her. Leave me alone! I didn't kill her father, and now people are telling me all these things I don't want to hear. I mean, there must be a prayer you can say. I'll try anything. You did this to yourself. What? You turned away from God, and you cast yourself into the darkness. But I didn't do anything wrong. Every devil used to be an angel, and now you've fallen from grace forever. When Satan was banished from heaven, he was cursed to crawl the earth like a snake. There's no hope for you. What? So that's it? There's, there's, there's nothing you can do for me? I've got a rope in that shed over there. I could take you out to that tree where Marin died, and I... I could string you up. The movie opens. We meet Ignatius Ig Parish. Oh, that's true. It should be pointed out. The names stink in this movie. Well, at least the two. Juno Temple's name is Marin. I don't yeah. know if that's like Father Marin from The Exorcist or something. Ig is played by Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, can he ever escape just being referred to as Harry Potter? No. Is that just no. for life at yeah. this point? Kind of unfortunate. I actually... I don't think he's terrible overall. I think, and I don't even really think he's terrible in this movie. It's just the accent he's right. struggling yeah. with. He emotes think, fairly well in it. Yeah, at times. It's not like Pet Cemetery where <laughs> the <laughs> well, acting is yeah, horrendous. On. Yeah, but Pet Cemetery is like a major motion picture that made a huge profit. That's this true. This is a movie that was like straight to VOD. The casting choices in uh, Pet Cemetery are strange. Yeah, those were the days where they're like. Yeah, who Dale cares? Midkiff can open in. a movie. Right. <laughs> who is Dale Midkiff? Doesn't matter. It's Stephen King. It's going to make money. <laughs> Ig is the prime suspect when his girlfriend, Marin, played by Juno Temple, is raped and murdered. He has not been arrested, but the town what hates a weird him. Move. The one thing that kind of is weird with this movie, you have no sense of how long ago Marin was killed. Oh, that's true, yeah. And that always kind of bugs of me because how long would it take to test the dna to me it feels like a decent amount of time has passed because just the way he's reacting like the way he's acting i mean it doesn't feel like he's in the immediate shock of it it feels like he's kind of been on like some benders or something for a while it seems like it could be within the last couple weeks though yeah i know because they do have a vigil at one point well yeah i know as it seems like it's still fresh i feel like the, the further the movie goes on the more recent it feels I don't know how much the press would be sticking with this, like months no, and months point. into yeah. it, because the press and the protesters in his yard who hate him because everyone assumes he's guilty. That's it, kind of at a fever pitch when you know the movie what? opens. I think you're right, and I gotta say, you know, I don't think Iggy was all that broken up about it. <laughs> I mean, he was drinking a little bit, but he's not like you know. I, I I I'm not seeing a lot of tears. Well, I think we kind of find out why his feelings could be conflicted. That's true. In that time yeah. period, it's a very like turbulent moment that all of this ends up happening during right not that that would mean you wouldn't be upset when we get to that and we explain it you'll see what i mean but i think they kind of address that somewhat yeah that's true 
we join the story after Marin has been killed. There's been a fire in the lab, which destroys all of the DNA evidence. That's a recent event, as in that wow, just yeah. happened right as the movie's opening. That seems like it would spark some investigations. Yeah, it's what only kind of here? mentioned by a couple right. of characters. It's never like, oh, that's going to lead to something. Because we, yeah. we later find out that his father is the one that orchestrated that. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So his parents seem to think he's guilty. His brother Terry, just super quiet about it. Really? Yeah. Already Not sending you say. vibes of like, oh, okay, let's something pay attention to Terry. Right. His lawyer is Lee, played his by friend. Max Mangella. From Social Network. Yeah, who played like Nivea, whatever his name is. Yeah, just sort of a hateable. <laughs> the only other thing I've ever seen this guy in is Social Network. Okay. Um, he's a childhood friend, part of their little gang growing up, which we'll get into later. Yeah, a lot of flashbacks here. And we also have Glenna, who is another childhood friend. She's kind of like the town slut. Kind of often overlooked throughout life. And she's kind of had a lifetime crush on Ig. We meet all of these people very quickly in the first 10 minutes of the movie. There's a vigil at a treehouse in the woods where Marin was killed. This treehouse is kind of important as we go, but when we first have this vigil, we don't really where did this treehouse come the significance. from? They just find it. Yeah. Which they explain in the movie. I know, but it's <laughs> like... No, I know they show you that, but... It's just a secret playhouse. Okay. Treehouse. I don't know. It's kind of like that thing from Sharp Objects, though. They just go in there, and there's just, like, <laughs> pornographic pictures all over the place. Well, honestly, that is a thing growing up yes, where thank pornography you. just gets passed through trees, through the woods. True. Did you ever have that? No. Oh, I had, I had <laughs> it. Passed it's, through trees? Like, just it, someone leaves it in the woods, okay. and then you find I it. I think, well, and yeah. We found a whole box. Oh, one I'm time. sure. Yeah, it's out in the woods. I definitely. Yeah, the, I had to. Have, there had to be like Playboys or something. Yeah, in the it's woods. just yeah. a thing growing up. It's. I mean, obviously not now because right. kids can just look at double penetration right on their cell phones. Yeah. But if someone just leaves their cell phone <laughs> in the woods with <laughs> Pornhub playing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like, so they have this vigil at this treehouse where Marin was killed. Marin's father Dale speaks and says Ig did it. The whole time, Ig is listening up in the treehouse. Dale uh, really bringing it in this movie, which we'll get <laughs> to a little bit later. He seemed to think that he was in but like, he's a different on, movie. Yeah, he's on another level. So Ig is up in the treehouse actually listening to this going on. He's getting drunker and drunker. It's kind of a lot to process emotionally, obviously. You're in your 20s or whatever, and the love of your life that you grew up with is murdered. And so you're not only dealing with the rage and frustration of losing this person, sadness. but also you're being blamed for it. Right. So everyone is just kind of an asshole to you. Yeah. It's like you can't even grieve properly because you're... You're on the defensive. Surrounded by this cloud of suspicion. Glenna shows up and reels Ig in. This is right after the vigil. Ig comes down. He's drunk. He pisses on Marin's memorial. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. Which is kind of a dark moment. It is. But, you know, he's like kind of... He kind of has this fuck you attitude towards everybody. He's lashing out a little bit. Glenna reels him in. The next morning, Ig wakes up in bed with Glenna. And this is where everything kind of kicks off. He right. has a pair of horns starting to protrude from the top of his forehead. They're just little bumps at first. When he touches them, then they burst through more. Yeah. So this is kind of just out of nowhere. Right away, it's just like, all right, well, we we kind of knew this was coming. 
We knew he was going to end up with horns. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's not really something hidden. I yeah. Mean, it's the title of the movie. Right. <laughs> and you saw a lot of the. I was like, oh, I didn't see this coming. In the trailer or in the yeah. artwork and stuff for the movie. Yeah. I mean, there's Daniel Radcliffe with horns. I think we kind of get the basic idea. But you're like, what's the deal here? I guess it's because he peed on the memorial. I don't know. Now, I don't even. It's think, one of those things. Well, yeah. That a lot of the explanation around the horns isn't ever really given. No. There's a lot of things that you can certainly speculate about. I don't even know if in my mind when we started watching this movie that I was like associating it with the devil. The fact that he was going to have horns. I still don't. Okay. Necessarily. Okay. <laughs> There's certainly a religious element to it. But I'm not I don't think he's supposed to be like the Well, devil. no, I don't think so either, but I was thinking it's like associated or it's like a demon or whatever. Yeah. Well, the only person that can't see it is wearing a cross, so it feels that way to me. Yeah, some kind of, I yeah. don't know. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> what comes next, I feel like, was really the thing that caught us off guard and like was funny and still takes a while to figure out what's actually going on. At this point of the movie, during my first time watching it, I didn't know what to expect, but the next scene convinced me that this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm said. like, okay, this is a worthwhile movie. Right, this, let's this, keep going. It finally ramps up, so... He wakes up with these horns at Glenna's apartment. You have the feeling that maybe this is not the first time since Marin died that something like this may have well, happened. Well, she works at a bar, and it just seems like he kind of moseys in there. Everyone there is a dick to him except for her. Yeah. He probably has a few, waits for her to get done with her shift, and, you know. The only reason I don't think this is the first time it's happened, I don't think he ever cheated on Marin, but no, what no. I'm saying is... When we learn more about Glenna's character later, and we, we learn that she's kind of been in love with Ig her whole life, this seems like this would be a bigger moment for Glenna. Like, oh, she's not right, really yeah. reacting in a way that sells how big this would be if this was the first time this actually happened. Yeah, there's definitely a level of comfort here. She's definitely used to being used. Right. Maybe not always by Ig, but, but just in probably general. probably recently. So Glenna is on the couch just watching cartoons. As you said, I mean, the cartoons are like some depiction of hell with True. Like, the devil. It's right. like a goofy Looney Tunes version of it or whatever. She can see the horns on Ig's head, but she doesn't really react to them as if they're weird at all, which is something we'll see from most of the characters. Well, and even he points it out to her, and she's like, oh, you mean the horns? Yeah. So it's like, yes, she can see them, but it's no big thing. Yeah, they kind of have this hypnotic quality where the characters can see them, they're aware of them. They'll talk about them. But they don't act like it's a big deal, they don't act like it's weird, and if they turn around, this gets mentioned later, they kind of forget about them. Yeah, yeah. They don't even think about them, and then later, they have these interactions with Ig, and then later they don't even remember the interactions that they have. Right. So that's also strange. <laughs> it is. Glenna asks if, if she can eat another donut. And she counts the donuts, and then she says, can I eat six more donuts? And Ig is just like, yeah, I, I don't care. Do whatever you want. He's, like, confused why she's asking him, like, this permission. Well, yeah, and also, like, the fact that she continues to just not care about the horns protruding from his head. Yeah, she's hung up on these donuts. So then she takes a donut and stuffs it into her mouth, the whole thing, and tries to swallow it, and then says it's hurting her stomach. And then she's, like, washing the donut down with <laughs> Diet Pepsi, like right out of a two liter. I mean, be honest here. Were you not thinking that this looks like your Saturday morning? Saturday, every <laughs> morning. <laughs> Breakfast, just like Premier League on donuts and a two liter of soda. It's such a weird scene going into it, not knowing the gimmick of the movie, really. 
the scene just really jumps out with that fucked up feel that I always appreciate where yeah, you're just like, you're like, this is weird. I don't understand it. Yeah. But I like it. I do think the first thought I had was thinking back to like the seven deadly sins thing. I was thinking of like a gluttony thing here. And it doesn't really go that direction at all. Yeah, I didn't even have that cross my mind. I didn't know what to make of this. So she's like making herself sick and Ig is just clueless as to what's going on. She's continuing to eat them and asking if she can keep eating them. And he's like, why do you want to keep eating them if you're making your, if they're making you sick? And she's just like, I want to get really fat because I'm such a piece of shit and nobody cares about me. Oh, boy, it sounds familiar. I mean, it's just like right. she's eating her feelings, basically. I hear you, girl. It's kind of this weird confessional. And at this point, you're kind of like, all right, we're off. We know that oh, this yeah. is fucking weird. Right. And some weird shit is going to happen. And it really does deliver on the promise of this For scene. Sure. you get yeah. some really weird stuff just because of the horns it's like um it's almost like getting people's inner thought they're saying it out loud to a person but it's stuff that they wouldn't yeah i would say that really, like we're not fully confirmed after just the first scene but yeah right I mean, that's the path that we go down yeah. because then he goes to a doctor's office and there's another woman waiting with her screaming daughter and then the, the receptionist. receptionist who has like yeah just some of the best moments where you're just like yes lady you are right um here you go i feel like i have to yell at that girl's mother i know it's not her fault that her daughter's a screechy puke but really now go ahead why not ma'am do you think you could show some fucking consideration and take your daughter out of here so we don't have to listen to her screaming? What did you just say to me? I said you should take that screeching pig of yours by the hair and drag her the fuck out of here. Fuck you! The mother's like, I want to kick my daughter in her ass. Right. And the girl is like five years old or whatever. Yeah, screaming, having a tantrum. Well, the thing that I realized was the daughter was doing it too. The daughter was screaming oh, right. because of the horns yeah, yeah. because she fucking hates her mom because yeah. her mom is disgusting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a lot of insight for this five-year-old kid. But well, the, I love later when, she's like, I want to burn my mommy up. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I love when the receptionist is just like, I want to fucking flip out on this lady for... Tell her to get her screeching pig out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is good. Yeah, it's like who incredible. Hasn't, who hasn't thought that before? The woman is talking about fucking her golf pro and wanting to just leave her kid there and all this stuff. And yes, this is... There is nothing worse than a screaming kid. And it's just, look, I know maybe one day I'll be like one of these people, but it's just like, I just hate nothing more than when I'm somewhere and there's like a kid making a scene. It's just like, oh, or like, oh, on an airplane traveling and somebody's got the screaming baby and it's just like, oh my, come on. Throw that baby off the plane. Please. please. <laughs> yeah, people basically just are blurting out their inner thoughts. And also, similarly to Glenna, there's kind of this asking of permission from Ig to do the things that they want to do. Yes. Like their deep down secret desires or whatever. Eventually, he ends oh, yeah, up cause... touching the woman waiting. Right. And he sees her inner thoughts of her fucking her golf pro. Like, actually, he can visualize them as if. Yeah, it's pretty hot. And so really. we see them on the screen. Yeah, the it's kind of a wild scene. It's kind of another level to what the horns are bringing right. to this equation. So this leads to him going to see this doctor. 
This the, doctor seems like a fun time. <laughs> both the doctor and the nurse are saying all the more crazy shit. Oh, yeah. And the doctor just wants to get high. It's like, let's crush up a bunch of oxys and like <laughs> snort them or whatever. The long and the short of it is that they put Ig under anesthetic, and this kind of leads to a whole flashback sequence. A revealing backstory. So we learn a little bit about the story of Ig and Marin. Younger Marin, played by Sabrina Carpenter. Of uh, Girl Meets World fame. Yeah, she's kind of like a minor pop star now. Yeah. They first meet at church, I guess. She's like new to town, and she's going to this church with her dad, and she's got this gold cross. And she's, like, flashing him, like, Morse code or something. How would you ever pick that up? Although, I guess his dad tells him that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know. still. Yeah, who would? I know. So, she leaves the necklace behind on purpose. Wow. And he picks it up, at least this whole thing. But before he can give it back to her, we're introduced to the whole crew that Ig was palling around with back in those days. So, it's his brother, Terry, Lee, Glenna. And this other kid named Eric, who they call Meatbag, who's kind of, like, heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Not really burying the lead with that one. Meatbag has some cherry bombs, and they're, like, shooting them off. And eventually they get down to one more left, and Meatbag doesn't want to waste it. But he says he'll give it to someone if they ride in a shopping cart down the log ramp naked. Basically confirming to all his friends that he's gay. (laughs) (laughs) Which does turn out to be true. Which is what a weird dare. Yeah, it's so strange because Ig accepts the dare and he goes up there in the shopping cart but then he just gets in his underwear right which i think we've actually pointed out on this show before right that this is something that happens in movies and shows or maybe we've just talked about it well we certainly have talked about it off mic but saying (laughs) naked and it's like well not really it's well didn't they do that on like sled necks or whatever that show was oh yeah that's right yeah they kept saying like naked but then they weren't naked like a redneck macgyver so he rides down this ramp, he goes into the water, somehow doesn't hit a log going in, but then gets trapped oh, underneath all these I logs mean, It in should the be water. pointed out, this accepting this dare would basically be like just admitting you're going to die in two seconds because yeah, I mean, it's a huge looks ramp. Like instant death. The ramp looks like old and rusty. Yeah. And it's the water that you're going into off it's of the filled ramp with is logs. filled with huge logs, which he somehow doesn't hit. But then they kind of close around him over top of him, and he can't get back out of the water. So he's about to drown. But then Lee, his friend, jumps in and saves him. He's the only one that even jumps. It's such a weird part of this. Kids playing with fireworks in general, or like cherry bombs and stuff, always freaked me out when I was a kid. It was a good thought by me because it's like, look at Jason Pierre-Paul. Oh, yeah. Somebody gave me a cherry bomb once at school, and this was probably right around... 16 or so so like some of my friends had their license and we drove around with it me and my one friend on i think a super bowl sunday oh boy and did you put it in a mailbox yeah so we drove to like that was like the story that you'd always hear someone put it in a mailbox we're driving around he was driving his mom's van around oh boy we pull up in front of like a school with one of those blue mailboxes like the big ones yep and so like the fuse on it was literally like an inch and a half <laughs> it was like the <laughs> smallest fuse right i'm so lucky because i didn't really know what i was doing i had oh, yeah. no idea what this even was really i didn't know what was going to happen but we lit it and i threw it out into this mailbox and it exploded <laughs> instantly in the mailbox holy shit instantly wow so loud i had it ringing in my ears 
for like weeks. Holy shit. Just barely got it in there, blew the door off of the blue <laughs> mailbox. Like the entire blue front popped off. And thankfully there was nothing in there because it was a Sunday. Well, this is a lesson for all listeners, you know. Because it probably was like a federal offense or something. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, this is just a joke, not a real story. <laughs> yeah, this is a hypothetical. Right? If anyone's Actually, out there. Actually, you know what? It was a friend of a friend. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking crazy. And we, you know, we're driving away and I'm like, I can't hear anything. And it wasn't until later that I was like, oh shit, if I would have dropped that, that would have been so fucked Holy up. Holy hell, yeah. You'd be Thankfully, missing body I didn't parts. know that going in right. because then I would have been so much more nervous. I didn't really think that it was going to be that crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know what it well, was. I don't really. know. I still, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even know what one looked like. Yeah, it was. It's just a little ball with a little. No, it wasn't a ball. It was like it looked like a miniature stick of dynamite. Okay, <laughs> it's like the Goonies, basically. Yeah. Okay, so Ig is in possession of the last cherry bomb, but Lee fixes Marin's cross, and then he says, "I don't know if I should give this back to you because I want to give it to her because he's kind of establishing that he likes Marin as well." Oh no! And they're kind of like little kids, and the basic gist is. Ig picked up the cross but didn't really know how to fix it because I guess it was broken. And he gives it to Lee who fixes it. And Lee now is like, well, maybe I'll give it back to her. And Ig panics. And so he agrees to give Lee this cherry bomb for the necklace. A which moment results that, in Lee blowing off his fingers. Right. And just kind of a moment that no one will ever recover from. <laughs> as we find out. Lee has certainly carried this with him and not for losing the fingers even. Right. This is kind of a big moment in these three, their lives. I guess, you know, in the sense of this flashback, we're kind of skipping ahead now. They find this treehouse in the woods. Ig and Marin are just now together. They have this special place. This treehouse kind of becomes their secret special place. Ig, I think carrying maybe a little bit of guilt, especially over what happened with Lee blowing off his fingers, he comes clean to Marin about the truth, and he's like, well, Lee's actually the one that fixed it. Right. And I gave him the cherry bomb, and she's just like, fuck Lee. Do you think that you actually traded the cherry bomb for me? You think that's how things work? <laughs> yeah, good point. And he's like, A honey, feminist. you don't understand. Right. When women aren't around, men make deals <laughs> in locker rooms, and yeah. women just have to go by it. Well, <laughs> that's just the way it is. <laughs> well, regardless of what you thought about it, Lee and I uh, had an agreement. She's like, no, I left that there for you to give to me because I wanted it to be you and blow, you know, whatever. So yeah, even if it's it kind of this broken, sense that there are these two. It's just answer the broken necklace. <laughs> <laughs> they have this special connection. She liked him immediately. He liked her immediately. They were both, what, 12, yeah. I think, at the time, maybe. Yep. I can't remember this uh, happening to me. No. Okay. So it kind of fades into them being Daniel Radcliffe and Juno Temple. In glorious nudity. Right. Oh, yeah. Glorious. Seriously. <laughs> you said one of your favorite nude scenes ever, really. Yeah, certainly uh, my top Juno Temple one. And, you know, she's been a heavy hitter. She's really. a soldier like, just, yeah, in the she's a, nudity army. She uh, <laughs> continues to deliver. Yeah. For people that don't like or don't, well, I don't know if people don't like Juno Temple, but don't know her. I mean, I don't know. There's just something about her. I've always liked her. Yeah, she's got spunk. Unfortunately, though, the nudity is fairly brief, and this pleasant dream for Ig is short-lived because he wakes up 
back in the doctor's office with. He's like, I want to go back his, to sleep. I want to go back to sleep. One of his horns is got a saw jammed into it, but not really coming off. A and failed operation. The doctor and the nurse are just fucking right in a chair next to him, <laughs> and they're like. It's well, some scene going on. We here. asked you if we could, and you said yes. And he's like, I was under anesthetic. What do you mean? Silence is consent. <laughs> Basically, the well, I think we've covered this. Basically, the revelation here is that Ig's new horns force people to tell him their darkest secrets and desires, which at Ig's bidding, they can act upon if right. he allows them. At when is the exact moment in this movie where he's fully put that together? I think now. Now? This is yeah, the one? Probably. Yeah. Okay. So now he kind of does this tour. I don't know what the point of this is. Maybe it's just to find out what people really think. But he go first he goes and sees a priest. And the priest just wants him to commit suicide. Right. Then he goes and sees his mom and dad. And both of them clearly think he did it too. Oh, that's right. His dad has some interesting thoughts. Although his dad was the one, as we pointed out earlier, burned down the lab. But yeah. it's revealed to Iggy at this point. Well, yeah, his dad reveals that a friend of his destroyed the Okay, lab. right, yeah. And thus, all evidence that could exonerate Ig has been destroyed. Right. I Thanks, mean, Dad. Every movie, when this is an issue, it's kind of like Gone Girl, where you kind of just are believing that the main character didn't really do it. So right. you're like, yeah, I mean, I assume Ig didn't do it since he's saying he didn't. Yeah, this does kind of... I do feel like this... Uh, reminds me of really any time in my life, like any girlfriend I've ever had, my dad just being like, she's the best thing about you. <laughs> yeah, his dad says some real right dark shit. Then he goes and sees his lawyer, Lee, who's his buddy, and Lee does not see the horns. And Ig's reaction to this is maybe the horns just don't work on good people. Because Lee has been exceptionally nice here. Lee, huh? everyone in this town is going fucking crazy. Oh. Town's always been crazy. No, but I think it's because of me and these goddamn horns. Yeah. Wait, what? The horns? These horns? What are you, what are you talking about? Wait, can't you see them? Are you high right now? <laughs> You've been hanging out with Terry? So maybe... Maybe the horns just don't work on good people. You've been under an inhuman amount of stress recently. And maybe you're just starting to go a little, you know, a little, uh, little cuckoo. But if I'm this crazy that I can imagine of this, then I could easily have got so drunk that I blacked out that night and killed Marin and just forgot all about it, right? Yeah, Ig is the only lawyer he could get that isn't recommending taking a plea deal and who actually, like, believes in, yeah. in Ig's innocence. He's his biggest supporter. Right, and presumably he's working for free or some kind of a deal or something right. like that, even though it seems like Ig's parents are pretty rich. It does seem that way, yeah. So Ig goes to the local bar, the one that Glenna works at. I actually at. think, don't his parents or his dad make a point that they would like hire some expensive lawyer? Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, that's when we find out that Lee is the only lawyer that told him not to take a yes. deal. So Ig goes to the bar, the one that Glenna works at, and... A lot He's of stairs being followed here. by all these reporters, and Ig just gets all of them to fight each other as he goes into the local bar, and he tells, like, oh, the winner of this fight will get to interview me or something. <laughs> so then they just start <laughs> punching each other, men punching women, women punching men. <laughs> Mass hysteria. He goes into the bar, and all of the patrons are then confessing their deepest secrets, 
and then one guy pulls his dick out and just starts that waggling is, it yeah, around. Yeah, it's at something everyone. that you always try to forget, and successfully I I do because when this happened again, I was like, holy shit, I don't remember that. <laughs> I could never forget it. Right. The bartender burns down the bar. To <laughs> it's not quite uh, Ben Affleck and Gone Girl. No, no, this guy's not a, like that shower scene. An out of shape monster. Right. So the bartender burns down the bar to collect the insurance, but it does find out from one of the customers that a new witness in the case is the waitress from the diner where Ig and Marin were the night she died. And to our, uh, I guess, pleasant surprise, it's Heather Graham. So the waitress says that she saw Ig drive back to the restaurant and drag Marin into his car. We don't know why this person is doing this, but now there's yeah. some witness. That this is where it's coming from. The key thing against Ig. It seems crazy that he wouldn't actually have been arrested yet for this murder. Right. So it's kind of just like, I don't I don't really get what's happening in this town. <laughs> well, a lot of things don't make sense in this movie, but that's okay. Um, so now we get a flashback to the night Marin died. It's super rainy. Ig is about to propose. He meets Marin at this diner. It, and as you said, Heather Graham is the waitress. So, of course, we understand that Heather Graham is someone we recognize. So, yep. she's going to have right. a part to play in all of this. Yeah, more recognizable than a lot of people that have a lot more lines than her. It's a strange part for her to take. It is great because she does have one little monologue coming up that's pretty funny and memorable. But And, I mean, she just looks unbelievable. As always. Right? I mean, it's what a run for her. Yeah. Still going strong yeah rocking it really real strong now this diner i mean as we point out does not look like the type of place that serves booze and that always kind of like throws me off a little bit that they're like ordering shots and stuff there yeah Uh, how many places can you get like pancakes and shots (laughs) i don't know but if there was places like that you'd be there certainly marin is upset we don't understand why but she's kind of forcing this issue of taking time apart from each other and then she kind of has to come right out and just break up with him because Ig is not really yeah. taking just it. just kind of feels like every date night I've ever been on. <laughs> Ig is obviously very confused and upset by this curveball. I mean, the beginning of this flashback was him buying the engagement ring. Yeah. We already learned from the previous flashback that they've been together since they were like 12 years old. And uh, they've talked about having kids and being married. They've talked about a future and now all of a sudden... The rug is being pulled out from under. And it's a scene in this uh, diner. There's some yelling going on. Well, eventually, she, I mean, he kind of brings up the idea that maybe she's in love with someone else or she's been with someone else. She doesn't really say anything. She just kind of stays silent while he freaks out. And right. yes, it becomes a real public scene. Yes. Something that gives me a lot of anxiety. Is oh, yeah. Scenes like this. Thinking back to some times in your life. <laughs> Never, never like this. No, never I can, in front of people. Well, like I this. always can remember. I mean, I'm certainly guilty of some freakouts in my life. I'd but be like, like, shut up, right? Shut up. I know that was the one thing. Always like out at dinner and stuff, where it's just like, just out of nowhere, being able to like escalate it and be like, "What the fuck is that supposed to mean?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Chill. Let's talk about it in the car." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, oh man, I know it's God. Now I can't even imagine like caring about anything at all, let alone caring enough to be like on the verge of a public scene. <laughs> well, yeah. It's just like, God, you're fucking 20s, man. They're the worst. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Oh, people really make a big deal out of how too. horrible... What? The years before your 20s, too. Well, I think people make a big deal about 
high school and how rough it is, but I really think emotionally for me, I became like unhinged in my 20s. Well, yeah. More times than any other time period. Well, I also feel like once alcohol is in the picture, it's yeah. just like, woof. I think you're not poof. used to mixing all those emotions with easy access to alcohol, right. driving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's yeah. a lot of things going on all at Confusion once. about your life in general. Yeah. <laughs> Realizing that you're not going anywhere. Things, are, things aren't going to be as great as you were picturing. Right. <laughs> Marin says that she's not in love with Ig anymore, and she's really trying to, like, end this. As Ig is leaving, he passes Terry, who has shown up because... Ig's friends were all going to come and celebrate this engagement that he was planning. Yeah, <laughs> wow, what a beatdown. things have gone awry. Right. It kind of cuts then to the next morning. The cops find Ig sleeping in his car, and he says something like, anything that's happened to her is my fault, which they kind of interpret as a confession of sorts. Yeah, that's a bad... He, of course, is unaware... Bad way to lead, yeah. ...at that moment what has happened. So Ig goes to this diner to confront the waitress, Heather Graham, he finds out that she's been fabricating stories so that she can gain fame by being part of a high-profile murder case. And it's a real fun scene. I've heard you've been telling lies about me to the police. Yeah, I have. And you know, I don't even feel a little bit bad about it. You want to tell me exactly what you said to them? Well, I told them that your girlfriend forgot her jacket, so I followed her into the parking lot. I saw you drive back and scream that you were going to kill her. But you know that's not true. And then I saw you drag her into your car, and then you drove off. What? Why the hell would you say all that? Because I want to be in all the newspapers and on TV. I want to be the star witness at your trial. I'm pretty enough to be on TV, right? Especially if I get my tits lifted the way that I want. You're just a fucking crazy liar. I know I am. I'm so bad. I'm bad. Sometimes when people ask me what you did, I say that after you beat her brains in, but then you turned her over and you fucked her in the ass. You should see their faces when I say that. Everybody loves a good sex murder. You're insane. My brother was here that night and he saw me leave alone. I'm gonna release my own sex tape and I'm gonna get a reality show. I'm gonna be in Us Magazine, smiling. She's kind of reveling in her little role, and because of the horns, she has no problems just admitting this to the person that she's fucking over. Oh, yeah. And she says that when people ask her about it, she says that he bashed her brains in and then turned her over and fucked her in the ass. <laughs> yeah, kind of a... It's weird how proud she is of this. And she's like, people love a sex murder, which is true. Well, people it is do. true, yeah. Yeah, I a lot mean, of scandal she's, there. she's having a lot of fun. This is her big moment in the movie. Ig... Then goes to see Terry. I mean, it's this movie is basically just Ig going from one place to another place to another place. That's yeah. it. I mean, that's just the whole movie. Everyone has all the time in the world in this movie. He's lost his job. He yeah. was a disc jockey, right? and he was fired because of the murder, I guess. Unfair. <laughs> his brother Terry is like a musician, which he now goes to see Terry playing this show. Terry like plays the trumpet or something. They're at like some jazz club or something. Seems weird that he'd be like a successful musician with. The, I mean, he seems like he has like a nice apartment and everything. I don't. Do we ever see Terry? Isn't that where they're doing drugs? Or is that? I thought that was his parents' house. Oh, maybe that is it. Maybe that's just the the parents' house. I don't know. So poor Glenna. She kind of appears, and this is where we learn that she's been in love with. Ig her whole life. 
Ig is the reason she just won't leave town, even though everyone treats her shitty. Oh, that's sad. And and yet she d- understandable. <laughs> we also learn that she doesn't remember their encounter in the morning, right? About the donuts. Yes. So this is the first time we've got an indication that once you've interacted with Ig and the horns, that you're not going to remember it later, which I guess comes into play eventually. So Ig goes outside. First appearance. In the movie of a random snake crawling around. Looks terrible. This one doesn't look that bad. Okay. They look worse later. Certainly. This one may even be a real snake. I don't... It, it's not. No, but there's <laughs> no real snakes in this movie. 100%. This one by itself doesn't look that bad. Right. But they end up looking, All looking bad. way bad yes. later. Yeah, CGI snakes. We don't know what this is in relation to, but it's a snake that wouldn't just be crawling around on its own in Washington State. The suburbs of Seattle. Yeah. Is taking place. Terry comes out. Ig learns that Terry drove Marin home that night when he touches Terry. Which is a shocking revelation. Right. I mean, they really put Terry up as, like, the person we're supposed to be the most suspicious Red of. herring here. They get into this fight, and when he touches Terry, Ig sees what happened that night. Marin left the car en route to her home and ran into the woods, the car that she was in with Terry. Terry ends up just sitting there and then passing out Although, in the car. doesn't it, it feels like the way this, I don't know, it does feel like suspicious with Terry, and not just that he killed her, but that he's like a little bit interested. Yeah, they definitely make him seem a little creepy. Yeah. He kind of creeps Marin out. So, well, I, I think mean, like, he's definitely not blameless. All the guys, though, come on. <laughs> I mean, what are they supposed to do? I know. Terry passes out in the car and then wakes up the next morning with a bloody rock in his hand. He's the one that first finds Marin dead under the treehouse in the woods, and he freaks out, and he's afraid that he's going to take the blame, so he just runs away and gets rid of the rock and doesn't say anything to anyone. And this has bothered me the last couple times watching this. So Terry's the first person that finds Marin. Right. We already saw the scene of the cops finding Ig the next morning waking up those cops already know that Marin is dead based off of them thinking that's a confession and that the whole circumstances surrounding yeah, yeah. cuz they're kind of like implying that Ig did it in that moment I sense that you're going to point out some hole in the logic well, how here would these cops know that Marin was dead already by the next morning who found her body just out in the woods i mean yeah, There's never any explanation right. of who found the body like early in the morning it if does seem Terry's like it would, not reporting it. It would take a while to find the body. Yeah, I mean... How often are people going to this fucking treehouse? Yeah, if this was like a secret private treehouse that no one knew about. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Cutting back out of that flashback that Ig sees, Ig gets arrested because this club that he went to go see Terry at is over county line so maybe he was arrested i'm just thinking that now originally for maron's murder and he's somehow I don't out know on why. bail. i did think he was out on bail yeah. which doesn't make sense really yeah i don't know what the deal is but he gets arrested for this fight with terry and then lee ends up bailing him out and that's when ig sees that lee is wearing maron's necklace and he's kind of like hey lee what gives and lee is pushing this narrative that maron was in love with lee and that they were going to go off to California together. <laughs> Lee's living in some fantasy land. And of course, this is causing Ig to freak out because his best friend and his girl were in this secret relationship. Everything's changed. Yeah. I the, know this 
drill. He's been relying on Lee to help him, and now he can't trust Lee, and he doesn't understand what's going on. It's like his world is crumbling around him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean. This revelation kind of prompts a revenge tour for Ig. Yeah. Because now he's got Now we're seeing the dark side of Ig a little bit more. He's got... The the horns are at this point are huge. Lee is the only Kinda one who can't like see them. Kind of the God of War video game. I don't know. So <laughs> he's also got these snakes that follow him around that he seems to have some sort of telepathic control over. Yeah. Whenever we were watching this recently, I was like, I would just embrace this at this point and just go full supervillain. Right. <laughs> and be like, fuck, this is awesome. I clearly have some sort of power now. I'm controlling snakes. I'm going to live it up. <laughs> this is great. And the first person he goes to see is the waitress. I just wrote R.I.P. Waitress because he has all these snakes get in her car and just start biting her like in the face and all this shit. Yeah. But then he, when he's note. walking away, he's like, it's going to take you a long time to look pretty now because she was like really obsessed. Kind of what you were saying, the seven she deadly sins, like yeah. vain. Oh, true. But I don't I'm like, I don't are we supposed it... to take that she's surviving this? Yeah, I can't believe that. Using his newfound powers of suggestion where he can kind of tell people what to do and they'll do it. He goes to see Terry and he makes Terry OD on all those drugs. Yeah. Poor Terry. Terry doesn't die. Terry's a weak soul. He does have a freak out. Right. (laughs) As you would. I mean, I feel like maybe it's fair just because he was being creepy towards Marin and then he didn't call anybody when he found her body. It does feel a little cruel, though, in this scene. Especially since Terry didn't kill her, but I feel like he did fuck up enough to be deserving of a little bit of payback. And maybe he, this was an extreme payback. Now, he he kind of thought that maybe he killed her, though, right? The whole thing to me where he wakes up kind of feels like he doesn't know what happened, and then he, you know, sinks his shirt in the water. That seems suspect to me. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did freak out. I think that... Ig trusts his powers, and he, in his power, he didn't see Terry doing it. Right, but yeah, sorry. Terry thinks he may have done it. He definitely himself. thought that at some point, Yeah, probably. Right. But what else would you think? I, mean, I, I know, yeah. It's such a crazy thing to wake up in your car with a bloody rock, and then you go out into the woods and you find this girl that well, I would say, ba- had her head bashed in with a rock. Crazy for some of us. <laughs> Ig goes to have this meeting with Lee on the dock, and it doesn't go well. He ends up ripping Marin's cross off of Lee's neck, and suddenly Lee can now see the it's horns. Like, Holy shit, those horns. He's like, Ig, what the fuck are with these horns? This is the first time that Lee's been exposed to their power, and this fight ends up with Lee just confessing to killing Marin. And it's kind of a s- strange scene, because I think when you're first watching this movie... I don't know if you're really fully expecting this to be the moment that the killer is revealed. Certainly, yeah. It kind of just comes out so randomly because you're thinking that they're fighting over some secret relationship between Marin and Lee. Which would be fair. I never really believed that Marin was untrue because... It did seem weird, yeah. I doubted that a movie would have a dead character that we're supposed to be... Oh, she's a Feeling bitch. bad about being like, oh, yeah, she was a big slut. Right. <laughs> That's just not really what they do with these things. It, they just wouldn't have it's that weird character spin. be like that. So I guess that does cast some suspicion on Lee then, because if he's lying about that relationship, then it would make him like the logical person. 
So we find out there's been a lifetime of jealousy almost from the beginning, and Lee always wanted to get with Marin. And that night, I guess he's trailing behind Terry's car. Yeah, he ends up following Marin into the woods. Weird. <laughs> you know, like what? everyone's plans of this night were kind of weird. It was well, they supposed were all to be going to the, the engagement party. And then after that, it just became what, like a caravan of following Marin around? They don't really explain it, but I mean, it's possible that he just saw Terry's car pulled over. Right. The side of the road. I don't know. So he ends up following Marin into the woods. And he had this thing before that night where Marin was basically confiding in Lee as a friend saying that she can't marry Ig and all this stuff and he misread this all because of the haze of his own stupid feelings yes some people call it delusion yeah and when he goes and meets up with her in the woods he's thinking that she broke up with Ig to be with him ah the things that your mind will trick you into (laughs) believing (laughs) yeah I mean his confidence in this being the case is absurd really a hundred percent yeah it's through the roof confidence (laughs) because there's really no evidence at all that this is what she's doing well she kissed his forehead I feel like that was that's pretty desperate it is if you're turning that into it's a reach it's a reach so when he's rejected he flies into this rage and he ends up raping her and he takes a rock and bashes her head in and then Lee plants it on dumb old Terry, and he also steals her necklace. Who would have thought the necklace. nice boy who uh, blew his fingers off had all this in him? <laughs> the whole thing of him blowing I his fingers off is like a supervillain origin story, true. really. I think later he was just like, you know, I, I may have been a little bit pushy with the whole Marin thing. I may have been a little aggressive with that. It's a dark moment in a movie where... There's the, kind of a lot of laughs throughout like early on. I mean, it's always dark, but I just feel like... I don't know. It feels more like a dark comedy throughout, but this is like pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I was alluding to earlier when I said that these kind of comedic horror movies or horror comedies or however you want to say it, they always have a trouble finding an audience. I don't know why. I always love it. Yeah. I've been a big fan of plenty of them, but when you mix the two genres people never seem to get that invested in them and people definitely have a hard time with tonal shifts and this movie is all over the place with tonal <laughs> for shifts. sure because this is like there's no way to spin this as anything but extremely dark and sad and horrible yeah but, and a graphic too really kind of i, I mean, mean with the head bashing yeah through the flashback i guess i think ig is touching him so he can see all of this we see it all they proceed to continue to fight this whole vision that Ig gets when he touches Lee kind of distracts him. So Lee picks up this giant chain and just starts beating. Well, Ig it with feels it. kind of just like straight out of WWE at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, the size of that big metal chain is like you could easily kill somebody. The with loudest that. thud ever. But Ig feels semi indestructible right now. Right. Eventually Lee has the upper hand. He gets Ig into his car and, puts gasoline all over it and lights it on fire. And the only way Ig can like escape this fiery death trap is to just drive it right into that water. Right. Like off the dock. Yeah. Lee goes around saying that Ig confessed to killing Marin and then committed suicide out of guilt. <laughs> However, Spreading nobody is town ever recovered. Quickly. Well, he's his lawyer, so I mean he's speaking on behalf of his client yeah. to like the media and stuff saying that that's what happened. But like I said, no bodies recovered. The horns and their power, I guess, keep Ig alive, even though he's horrifically burned and disfigured now. <laughs> yeah. 
Again, though, it, it looks like a video game. <laughs> you know, it looks very cartoony. He goes now and sees Marin's father, which I think we skipped over, but he oh, went the saw first him meeting, earlier. Yeah. yeah, and I mean... And that's when the actor's just really ratcheting it up to, like, level 20 theatrics. Right. But now, Marin's father just believes Ig is innocent because he survived this. Yeah. I guess. I Wouldn't he be like, you must be the devil? There's no reason why Marin's father just kind of completely changes his tune because we've only seen him a couple times in the movie up until this point, and every time he's like, fuck this guy, he killed my daughter and he got away with it, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And then Ig just shows up all burned with these horns, and he's like, you didn't kill my daughter, but you know who did though, right? And and Ig's just like, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he gives... Ig the key to a lockbox, and Ig puts on Marin's cross, which he was going to give to her father. Everything's so complicated. Why does there have to be a lockbox involved? Well, because she didn't want him to find this note. Yeah. When he puts on the cross, his horns and burns disappear, and so this is clearly like Marin's protection. I took this to be like more of a Marin thing than like a Jesus thing, but I mean, I, I don't think know. so, yeah. Because it all seems to be tied up in her. Like she's almost like behind all yeah, of this I happening. I think so. I just think there's a lot it's just it's a lot of like allusions to like the devil and God and yeah. angels well, yeah. and demons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean with a cross and with right. horns like a devil and yeah. stuff. So he goes and finds her lockbox which is in the treehouse and her note that's in it. In this note she explains that she knew Ig was going to propose but that she was dying from cancer and didn't want him to suffer. So she pushed him away under the pretense of loving someone else. Well, I'm glad he didn't end up suffering as a result of all this. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... I a, think I would have been fine with just her telling me that she had cancer. Right. I mean, her thing was, well, if I told you you were going to want to marry me anyway and I was going to cause you all this pain and her mother died from cancer and it really destroyed her father and she wanted to spare Ig of this or whatever. Well, I have a say here, too. When you find out what the truth is, it's crazy. You're just like, what the fuck... it's intended then to change the viewer's perspective back to liking Marin fully because she wasn't breaking up with him for real but yeah it's kind of an eye-rolling thing you're just like oh my god yeah it's like a walk to remember well now you got yourself murdered so congratulations your plan worked out yeah way to go (laughs) i think it's kind of this like fantasy idea of love too because in the note she's like one day when you die, then we can be together. And it's just like, well, yeah, oh, but what please. if he lives for like 50 more years and he marries somebody else? What about that person? What if he gets married like four more times? It's uh, like Ric Flair. <laughs> you marry somebody else and you move on with your life. It's like in Titanic where the old lady is going to meet up with fucking Jack again, a guy no, that she please. knew for fucking a week. Their when relationship- she got married and had kids and grandkids to yep. with somebody else. Absolutely. It's like, well, what about that guy? Well, guess what? I feel like if her and Jack had made it to shore, the relationship would have fucking gone belly up Fizzled real quick. Right out. Oh yeah, right. I mean, I'm just saying, like, no, there's I know. this fantasy idea that gets perpetuated in movies, and, but it's like that's not. I mean, there's people live lives after a tragic death, and it's like presumably Ig is gonna live another fifty, sixty years at least, maybe more. I'm assuming he would get on with his life and He's marry a young someone man else in good health. Yeah, it's although. Like, I'm sorry, Marin. It sucks that you died. But. It seems like he's going to have to leave town <laughs> in order to do that because it seems like every dude in town had their heart set on Marin, and it's just never going to be better. 
Ig goes to confront Lee, who now does not remember their previous fight, which is kind of funny. And this yeah. is where this right. actually comes into effect, where they don't remember interacting with the horns. Ig leads him into the woods where Marin was killed. This whole confrontation plays out where Eric, the cop, who we've kind of skipped over him, Meatbag. As an adult, he's this cop. He's, and he's, he's in gay. it. He makes appearances a couple times. Yeah. And he wants to have sex with his partner, right. who's also gay. Yes. And this is always done for comedic effect with Ig's horns in the mix. That, True. You know, they are. We don't really get a lot of explanation, right, as far as where the friendship all kind of fell apart. People get older. Yeah, that's true. Eric and then Terry also, they both show up. It's this huge confrontation. Lee confesses, but then fights back, and the struggle ensues. There's a shotgun. Terry gets injured, and then Eric gets his head blown off. Uh, yeah, and just Lee, a crazy scene. Lee just starts laughing. I mean, he's kind of like, <laughs> well, there's a crazy head exploding from a shotgun blast, and then Lee just goes, <laughs> oh yeah, just like busts up. Ig tears off the necklace that he's wearing, and now he sprouts angel wings, which then this is like bursts into flames. Right, sort of like the most inexplicable moment here for me. It's just like everything changes in a flash. He's up in the air with wings, and then they burn off, and he's back on the ground. Yeah, he kind of just turns into like a full-blown monster. I don't really understand the significance of it. I don't know why it's happening. Yep. Or where it's coming from. It doesn't really fit with everything else that has happened to him throughout the movie. But So now we're in like some sort of he's monster in the final battle form. sequence. This yeah. is what makes me think Marin is involved. Because it's like Marin now is ready. Her murderer has been found out and it's time to deal with it. They have this final fight. Ig ends up mortally wounded but is able to kill Lee with his newly returned How he horns. gets hurt this time though compared to like... You know, driving into well, the water. He keeps getting stabbed all the way through. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. How's fire going to kill the devil? That's a good point. So I don't know. <laughs> but a pitchfork or whatever the yeah, fuck that's is being true. stabbed yes. with. It's different. He kills Lee with his horns, and then he telepathically has one of his huge-ass snakes go down Lee's throat. This is horrifying. This is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not like a little snake. It's just a snake <laughs> that is huge, and it just goes down his gullet. I don't know. Does it come out of him somewhere? I don't even remember. It's like alien. It just busts out of his stomach. Yeah. I don't know. Something. I can't remember if it comes out, but it's fucked up. And it's kind of convenient to have Ig get murdered in this fight, because then the movie can end with the two of them, Ig and Marin. Yeah, reunited. reunited. Wouldn't that just be worth it? I mean, if, if I knew... That in the afterlife, I was going to be reunited with Juno Temple, and we'd be able to fuck on a blanket in the woods. It seems like it would be a good ending. I would just yeah. kill myself immediately. Well, that's the thing. The opening to the movie should just be like him putting on that David Bowie record and then like uh, fucking overdosing on sleeping pills or something. Have Going downstairs to his pre-prepared noose, which we yes. talked about in Pet Cemetery <laughs> episode. Or just throwing himself out the window. Yeah. Uh, Heroes by David Bowie, recurring... Kind of a fun little soundtrack in this. I mean, there's some good yeah, little I mean, jams around the way. We kind of forced our way to get through the plot of this, which is, like I said, it's it's a little too long, and it gets a little bit off the rails in the second half, but it is like a fun movie. It has a oh, cool vibe. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's definitely different, and I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of wish it kind of sucks because maybe there would be some people that would be interested in this movie now. 
Probably not, but maybe. But it would have probably been so much better if they just kind of went in not knowing anything. Yeah. Because the whole gimmick of it is just something that you don't really see very often. Yeah, it's kind of a high concept for what is kind of categorized as a horror movie. Like we said, I mean, I don't know if it really is a horror movie, but it's kind of just this crazy idea that I think plays out pretty well. They could have used, you know, another couple million in the budget. Probably, yeah. And I think maybe maybe. some real snakes would have mixed in, at least, to to take away from... I, I get that you can't really train snakes, so... You'd have to use fake ones to do some of the stuff that happens. Well, yeah, they're evil. They'll, they'll turn on you. <laughs> they'll turn on you. Yeah, so The Greatest October rolls on. I hope you enjoyed this one. This was kind of a struggle to get through. <laughs> uh, I think it's fine. I think it was entertaining. Maybe. Like I said, the episodes are going to be coming out a little That's bit quicker we're, than usual. That's uh, why inundating the listeners with October episodes this year. They can't all be Camp Nowhere. All right, so as I said earlier, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear yeah, an episode. Yeah, for crying out loud, send me a text. Good Lord, I haven't heard from anybody in a while. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, we're not going to do any more official listener requests, but we're, we're yeah. definitely open to suggestions. Uh, it could give us ideas. If you have ideas for, like, next year's October, we'll definitely be able to think about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. And subscribe to the show on iTunes. And if you're one of those people that refuses to subscribe, make sure you're checking back frequently throughout October. A big month. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Stick with it because it's just like you can't fall behind, you know? Well, you can, but... It's just going to be hard to get caught back up. And who wants to be there? Right. I think that'll do it for Horns. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's a pretty cool, interesting little movie. So there you go. All right. We'll see you next time. Darling Jay, by the time you read this, I'll be gone. What? And I've taken Scorpion with me. You shouldn't have to raise a child that isn't yours. Fucking bitch. And I bet you're calling me a fucking bitch right now. That's so you, telling it like it is. I'll miss that. But most of all, I'll miss your great dick. Your ripped abs, all of it. You're the whole package. Plus, you're rich? What am I doing? You're a king. No, no, I must go. Goodbye, Jay. I love you.